Siri, set timer for 14 minutes. Okay, 14 minutes and counting. Waiting for cookies. Hey Siri, play me waiting playlist. Thank you. If I could say time <coughs> in a bottle First thing that I'd like to do Meat so hungry for cookie Is to save every day Till eternity passes away Just to spend them with you Hey Siri, check the timer Here's the timer oh. If words could make wishes come true Body. And welcome to another fantastic day here at the well at STSA we are so happy that you're joining us here today. If you're just kind of tuning in, we are in the tail end of a, uh, a six-week journey that we started at the start of Lent. And the goal of this Lenten journey is to discuss how we can season our life in the ever-so-proper way, because what we agreed in the beginning is just like that you may have two pieces of steaks and they taste completely different based on the seasoning, two pieces of chicken, two pieces of fish based on the seasoning. Well, all of our lives as Christians may taste a little bit different based on the seasonings. So what we're talking about here together is five habits of highly questionable people. And we agreed that for our lives to just taste just so right, we need to not just be ordinary, we need to not just be average, we need to be questionable people. We need to be the kind of people that the rest of the world looks at, our coworkers, our boss, our friends, our family, our neighbors look at and say, there's something different about you. You're not like the rest of us. Why do you do what you do? How come you don't do what we do? There has to be something in our lives that makes people ask us questions because the scriptures tell us that we should always be ready to give an answer. Well, why would we ever give an answer if no one's ever asking us a question? And the fact that we're supposed to answer means somebody should be looking at your life and saying something ain't right about it. We're recapping uh, our five habits. And we're following the acronym BELLS. All right, these are the five habits of questionable people. We've discussed the first three so far. And just by way of review, First week, we talked about blessed three people because a questionable, Christ-like follower, Christian in this world is someone who's characterized by generosity. A Christ follower is someone who is generous for no reason whatsoever because that's exactly the way Jesus was. So our first homework assignment for that week and all of these, remember, we said we want to do them for one week, but we really want them to be habits for life. Our homework assignment that week was to bless three people. And this was a fantastic assignment that we did. We did them in life groups, and even earlier today, a life group was blessing the setup team. That's why they were a couple minutes behind, but that's okay. We'll take it in the end. All right, this is a fantastic thing that we do because this is what our life as Christians should be. We should be the most generous people and not the greediest people, not the most selfish. We went out of order, so then after that, we went to the third habit. We went to the L, which is learn Christ. And we said our goal, that if we are going to be truly questionable people, is we don't just believe in Christ. We don't just accept Christ, but we invest in our relationship with Christ. And my relationship with Christ today should be further than it was a year ago, and it should a year from now be further than it is today because we're constantly investing just like any relationship with two people. If it is not growing, it is dying. And if we are going to be questionable people, seasoned life, then our lives must be growing, must be learning 
Christ more and more every single day. Third habit, which was last week, was the funnest of them all, was it not? Because how many churches are you going to go to in Lent and you're going to hear an entire message about the importance of eating and drinking? How many churches in Lent are going to preach that message? I don't know why you go to any other church in the whole wide world other than there. Because what we talked about is that our goal is going to be to eat and drink. Not just eat and drink, but eat and drink like Jesus. Because you can misinterpret, especially that second half of eat and drink. Okay, And it's not just eat and drink, but it's eat like Jesus and drink like Jesus. And the whole point there wasn't the food, but was the relationship. All right, That we see that food has a special place and has a special way to break down barriers when you share a meal or share a table. So that was the goal last week. And again, with all of these habits, the goal was not just one week, but the goal is a lifestyle that we as Christians, we are generous. We as Christians, we are growing in our relationship with God. That we as Christians, we are sharing tables with one another, connecting with one another at a deeper level. And today we're going to go to the fourth habit, the second L. And in the same way that the first week was bless, okay, go do something for someone else, and then we shifted to the other side and go sit down and read and learn Christ. In the same way, the third habit was eat, and now this next habit is going to go to the opposite extreme and be another one of these alone habits. And this one's actually going to be even more alone than the, list, than the learn. It's going to be super alone. Because our goal for this week, our fourth habit of a questionable life, a seasoned life, is that we would listen for God's voice two times this week. Today we're going to talk about the importance of listening for God's voice, actively listening. Okay, we're going to talk about what that means to actively listen for God's voice and to not just listen, but to really believe and accept, or sorry, not accept, expect that God will speak to me. And we're going to see what that means here today to hear God's voice. Before we get into the nitty gritty, I say we're going to hear God's voice. We're going to hear God's voice. We're going to focus on hearing God's voice. I know that there's many people in the room here today that the term hear God's voice conjures up negativity inside. One, because maybe you feel like, I don't know what that means, because I don't hear any voices. And the voices that I hear, they give me medicine when I hear the voices, okay? <laughs> I don't know what that means. Or what you most likely are going to say, which is something that I personally would agree with you 100%, is the expression to hear God's voice has been an expression which has been abused for years by people all around us, and we got a kind of bad taste in our mouth from somebody coming to us and saying, God told me. I grew up in the 80s, which was the era of the televangelists, and all of them said the same thing. God told me you should give me more money. God told me you should donate to my cause. God told me, and God told me. And a lot of people got really abused and really got hurt and manipulated by God told me. The expression God told me I used to tell this to my wife in a funny way, okay? Say that, like, I used to come home from church on Sundays and say, I want to watch football. And she'd say, no, whatever. And I'd say, no, God wants us to watch football. How do you know? Because he put it on Sunday. <laughs> if God didn't want us to watch football, why'd he put it on his day off? <laughs> it's like a perfect excuse, okay? Ladies, don't fall for the, God told me that you're supposed to marry me. Don't fall for that, ladies, okay? God told me that you're supposed to be my wife. You know, the whole name is, you know, what's your name? My name is Will. God's will for you. You know what I mean? Like all that stuff. Don't fall for that. Don't fall for that. (laughs) 
because the expression God told me has been used for centuries by people to manipulate other people. It's used by leaders of countries to start wars. God told me, holy wars. And for even the Christian church to do horrible things in the name of God told us. It's used by terrorists to do acts of terrorism all the time in the name of God, that God wants us to do this. It's used by wacko cult leaders to tell you, give me your money, come shack up in this place in Waco, Texas, and God's going to give us whatever it may be. It's expression which is misused all the time. And forget about it even at that global level. It's misused by pastors. Who you hear say, God told me in vision of God, next thing you know, they bought a $2 million home. But God, on the mountaintop, God told me this is the home that he wants to serve, whatever he says. Expression God told me, I've heard it used by fathers to cheat on their wives. But God wants me to be happy. I can't be happy here. God wants me to be happy. This is what God wants. Why else would God put her right in front of me? I've heard God told me to be an excuse for kids to dishonor their parents, even though every page of Scripture talks about how honoring our parents is the one thing that God will always reward, and dishonoring our parents is the one thing that he will never reward. After a while, you get sick of God's voice, don't you? <laughs> because all God seems to do is start wars. Okay, if you listen to all the people, all the, God's voice starts wars, tells people to do all kinds of horrible things, and makes people really rich who isn't meek. So after a while, don't tell me God's voice. I don't want to hear God's voice. To me, God's voice is something just made up by people to manipulate. It's just like a bullying thing, that, that people just go up on top of the mountain and just come down and say, God told me this, and whatever they say has to go, and it's spiritual bullying and it's manipulation. Is that true or is it not true? Can we really hear God's voice? Is God's voice really this selfish, this violent, this angry? Or is God's voice, maybe we miss, I don't want to say misunderstood it, because I think we understood it, but people abused it for us. That's what our topic is here today. I believe that for most of us, God's voice is to us a crowded cafeteria, where you're on one side of the cafeteria, and God's somewhere on the other side, and he's whispering. And it's your job to hear that whisper. And a lot of us, that's how we feel. Like we know God is talking, and we know God is saying stuff. And we know that, and like we're supposed to hear it. And we know he's somewhere in this room. But it's a whisper, and I'm on the other side. So you know what we do? We just say, you know what? That's too much effort. I'm just going to stay down here. Anybody who's close to God, when you hear what he says, come shoot me a text. Okay, shoot me an email. And we rely on the people who are closer to God just they tell us what God wants, and we just sit on our side of the cafeteria and have our ham and cheese sandwich, and we kind of delegate that role to somebody else. Well, I believe that we can hear God's voice. And we're going to look at a verse here from Joel chapter 2, verse 28, to kind of set the theme for us. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. My spirit, all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also... On my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. The key for us to hearing the voice of God is understanding the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. The key to us to, under, to hearing the voice of God is understanding the person, who is he, and the work, what does he do and how does he work, of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to take a little bit, like I'm going to talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit right now so we understand who the Holy Spirit is. And I'm going to use these terms interchangeably here today. Hearing God's voice, hearing the Holy Spirit's voice. I'm going to use those two interchangeably. So when I say hearing God's voice, I'm talking about hearing the Holy Spirit. And the two back and forth. And I'll show you why in a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit. 
Who is the Holy Spirit? Notice my question. Who is the Holy Spirit? Not what is the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit is not a what. He's a he. Because the Holy Spirit, like the Father, like the Son, is a person. Not a person like me and you, flesh and blood, eyes and ears and nose, but a person, meaning someone that can be related to. A person is a he. A podium is an it. The Holy Spirit is not an it. He's not a thing. He's not a force. He's not a being. Well, meaning like, a, like an impersonal being. He is a he. He is someone that with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified. So the Father we say he, the Son we say he, the Holy Spirit we say he. Our problem is, the reason why it's easier to understand the Father as a he and the Son as a he, because the word Father, I say Father. All of you can conjure up an image of a father. And it's a he. It's not an it. I tell you, Son. All of you can see the pictures of Jesus, okay? So you can conjure up an image. I tell you, Holy Spirit. What's in your mind? Spirit. Bible says the Holy Spirit's like wind. So what's wind? Kind of something that's just kind of wind. The Holy Spirit is also like a dove. The Holy Spirit is also like fire, but it's also like water. So you know what? Just give it an it and just kind of lump it over there. And because we can't picture the Holy Spirit, we undervalue and underappreciate the Holy Spirit. What we often do in, realis in, in, in reality, we do, even though it's not right, we make the Holy Spirit, like the Holy Spirit, like I said, in the creed we always say, who with the Father and the Son is the Spirit, he's worshiped and glorified. So whatever we believe about the Father and the Son is the same about the Spirit. What we do practically is we make it Father and Son and Spirit. And we make him like the assistant God. They're like, yes, can I help you with anything? You know what I mean? And he goes back to God and does whatever. And then like, he just kind of does stuff here. But we make him like the secretary of God. As like the assistant of God. But he's not really God. Even if you think about it, like all the roles. Like the Father spoke in the Old Testament. How did the Father speak? Like thunder, lightning, scary. How did the Holy Spirit speak? Still small voice. Like a little itsy bitsy little voice. A breeze. Like the sun went up on the cross, carried our sins. Father, forgive them. What did the Holy Spirit do? A bird flying around, land on people's heads with fire. So because we don't really understand what he does, we kind of understand the Father and the Son. We undervalue the Holy Spirit. But if you do that, you are making a big mistake because you cannot truly know the Father or the Son without the Spirit. You cannot know one or two without the third. And in addition, specifically for this topic of hearing God's voice, you will be missing out on our link to hearing God's voice. So what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does lots of things. But if I had to put it in one sentence, the Holy Spirit makes God personal. The Holy Spirit makes God King of kings, Lord of lords, creator, master of the universe, personal. You don't realize it. We all don't realize it. But our interface with God is the Holy Spirit. So when we say we pray to God, the one who allows us to pray to God is the Spirit. The Spirit is the one who carries our prayers up. When we say that we open up the Bible and we hear God, what we're hearing is the Holy Spirit taking the words that were written thousands of years ago and applying them to my life. He takes God impersonal and makes him personal for me. 
When we talk about we go to church, we heard a sermon, and God spoke to me. That's the Holy Spirit. Because what the Holy Spirit does is take my words, which are just words. My words are just words. Okay? They're nothing special about my words. I promise you. I say them all the time. A lot of people don't listen to me. My words are just words. But with the Holy Spirit, he takes this word, and he puts it inside right here. And he tells you, this word means this for you. And then the next person, he took a different word, and he made it mean for them. That's the Holy Spirit. Our interface with God is the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 and 11 and 12. St. Paul says, but God has revealed them. He's talking about mysteries, hidden mysteries. God has revealed these hidden mysteries to us through his Spirit. That's why the Spirit had to come. The spirits who revealed the mysteries from the beginning, there was hidden mysteries that the Father knew and the Son knew and the Spirit knew, but man didn't know. Spirit reveals them. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? What man knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man? No one knows the inner me except the spirit inside me. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. This verse says is that God has all these riches, mysteries, things that we'll never understand. Why? Because he's God and I'm me. This is calculus and I'm in preschool. I'll never understand calculus when I'm three or four years old, no matter how hard I try. I'll never. What is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit takes of what's God and he comes down and he gives it to me in bite-sized chunks in preschool, in kindergarten, in first grade, in second grade, so that the deep things I can understand. And the flip of that, he takes me and my weak prayers and my pathetic whatever I am, and he takes it and he carries it up in front of God, okay? And he brings it and he dresses it up and he puts some little decorations on it and, and, and the, 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 God looks at it and says, this is a nice prayer. But it wasn't a nice prayer. It was a pathetic little prayer. But the Holy Spirit, he's the interface between me and God, making me pleasing to God and revealing the mysteries of God to poor little old me. Another verse, Jesus said this in John chapter 16. <clears throat> Jesus said, I still have many things to say to you. This is right before Jesus died. I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Because I'm calculus, you're in preschool. You cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He will tell you things to come. He will glorify me. He will take of what is mine and declare it to you. That's a good summary of the work of the Holy Spirit. He will take of what is mine and declare it to you. He will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Our interface with God is the Holy Spirit. And when I say that, don't misinterpret me to mean that, like I said, the Holy Spirit is the secretary. He's just to go between. The Holy Spirit is God. He's 100% God. And he's the God that we relate the Holy Trinity to the Holy Trinity through the Holy Spirit. He will take of what is mine and give it to you. So what this says right here, according to the words of Jesus himself, Jesus started this little uh, speech by telling his disciples, it is to your advantage for me to go, because when I go, he will come. Before the Holy Spirit, God, follow me here on this one, worked outside in. After the Holy Spirit, God works inside out. What does that mean? Before the Holy Spirit, I want to hear a message from God. Well, I got to go to the mountain, find wherever Jesus is, and I got to listen to him. I want the power of God. I got to go catch up to Jesus, fight through the crowds, touch the hem of his rope. 
Well, I want to offer a sacrifice to God. I got to wait till the right day and go to the temple and offer the sacrifice. That's outside in. God was outside man working in. After the Holy Spirit, God is inside out. Now you want to offer a sacrifice to God. Where do you go? You go inside here because the true altar is now inside your heart. And, 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 and we know that the sacrifice of God is a broken and contrite heart. That God will never despise. You want to hear a message from God. You want to hear the voice of God. You don't need to go and follow a preacher around to hear a message from God. You have the Holy Spirit inside you, working inside, out, not outside, in. Ask yourself this question, just to show you how we undervalue the Holy Spirit and we don't appreciate him. When you're confused, where do you go? This verse says, he will guide you into all truth. When you're confused, where do you go? You don't know the answer to a question. Where do you go? How many of us run to the Holy Spirit? How many of us run to our room, close the door, and say, I need advice, I need guidance, I need instruction from the Holy Spirit? We run to people, we run to books, we run to sermon, we run to the true source of all knowledge, the internet, and we run everywhere else except to the one place like, you can ask me. I'm not saying don't ask me for advice. Ask me for advice, and I'll do my best. I'll give you the best. But in the end, I'm just guessing like you are. I'm just guessing. I, I mean, I'm going to do my best, and I'm going to pray and ask God to guide me, but in the end, I'm just guessing. And I'm only going to tell you based on what you told me. So you can come reveal to me 20% of the story, and I'll tell you what I think based on that, but there's 100% of the story that you didn't reveal to me, and you didn't maybe even reveal to yourself, but the Holy Spirit knows. I'm not saying don't ask me. I'm saying don't just ask me. Don't first ask me. I'm not saying don't read. I'm saying don't just read. Don't, ju don't first read. First we go to the one who knows, the infallible one. The one who knows, like you asked me, which job should I take? And I'm guessing. And I think maybe this, but I don't know, maybe that. But the Holy Spirit knows the outcome of this will be A, the outcome of this will be B, and there's no second guessing. You want to be a questionable person. We need to tap into this. Imagine what life would look like if we tapped into this. 24-7, guidance from God. No appointment. You don't need to email me, say, when are you available? Like 24-7. You haven't answered all your questions right here. What we want to talk about is how we can tap into that. Because as great as it is that we have the Holy Spirit available to us, agree with me, it's of little value to have a guide when I cannot discern his voice. It's of little value to have the answer to every question if it's written in a language that I can't read. So we have the Holy Spirit within us. But what you're thinking to yourself is, Father Anthony, that's great what you're saying. And I have the Holy Spirit, but I don't know what in the world you're talking about. I'm a confused man. And I pray and I ask, I don't get nothing. I don't know, like, is it writing in the sky? Like, is it an email form? Like, how does it, how does it come? What we want to talk about now is how to tap into God's voice, how to hear his voice. And before I get into that, I want to start with a warning that, like I said in the beginning, of all the habits, this one is very easily misunderstood and abused. So I'm starting off with a warning right here. And I'm telling you that, like I said, many people have taken the God's voice thing and done horrible things. So what we're going to do is I'm going to throw a word of caution to you, especially to those who are new in the faith, this idea of God told me and the voice of God is very dangerous. One time I met with somebody who was away from, from church, away from God, like his whole life, 
Like, you know, he was born a Christian, but lived a tough life, okay, and, and whatever. Ended up in jail many years. Jail, jail fixes everybody. I'm, I tell you, I'm telling you, I never met a person. Okay, I don't know everybody in jail, but I never met a person who I knew go into jail and come out the same way. Okay, so sometimes someone ends up in jail, not necessarily the worst thing. Okay, God forbid, okay, anyone you know, but jail changes you. So this guy, born again in jail, born again, and he came out. He had been a Christian two, three months, whatever it is, and he came out and he found himself a church, whatever kind of church. And this little church of maybe, I think it was like 100 people church or whatever it was, he determined, he told me this from his mouth, and I'm not just making it up, this is the only church that has it figured out. This is the only church that has it figured out. And this is the only church where the Holy Spirit is working, and every other church is dead, every other church has lost their way, and this is the only church. You've been a Christian for 15 minutes. And you tell me, billions of Christians across this world missed it all, except you and your hundred friends. And centuries, and centuries, and centuries have missed the Holy Spirit. But you and your hundred friends, who've been Christian for 15 minutes, you got to figure it out. I'm not saying the Holy Spirit is like what I'm about to say. This analogy is not a good analogy, but it's a good, semi-good analogy. Every analogy teaches us something, but you know in, in Star Wars, the Force? Okay? The Holy Spirit is not the Force. I'm not saying it like that. But you know how the Force is very powerful, but if you don't know how to use it, it's very dangerous? Like in the early ones, Luke kept messing up because he didn't know how to use the force until he found the little guy, okay? And the little guy guided him and how to use the force. Holy Spirit is similar in that way. Again, the Holy Spirit is not the force, not some crazy thing. But the Holy Spirit, if you don't understand and you haven't been instructed and you haven't received guidance, the Holy Spirit can be very dangerous because you can attribute whatever kinds of nonsense that you want and say this is what the Holy Spirit told me. And I'm telling you, if you tend to think that way, let me just say this to you, and then I'll get on. Okay, just last thing. The same Holy Spirit that you have is the same Holy Spirit that I have. The same Holy Spirit that everyone else has. So if the Holy Spirit is telling 99% of the people, A, and you say the Holy Spirit is telling you B, maybe you're misunderstanding the Holy Spirit. Like you can't say, I'm the only one that has the Holy Spirit. This is what the Holy Spirit told me. What if the Holy Spirit told everybody else the exact opposite? So you can't just say, this is what I believe and this is what I'm going to do. So I'm, I'm giving you this word of caution because I, I want to make sure that we don't. The Holy Spirit's voice, you know what it's like? I'll give you another analogy. You know when a, a parent has a child and that child cries, what does that child want? I don't know. It's crying. It wants something. At the beginning, I don't know. Over time, what happens? A mother will say, no, this cry means he's uh, uh, pooped his pants. No, this cry means he's hungry. No, this cry means... A parent can tell the different cries, but it takes time and practice. Holy Spirit is the same way. So we can't just take any kind of thing that we hear from the Holy Spirit and kind of run willy-nilly and do whatever it is that we want and do crazy stuff, okay? That's my spiel about the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's my word of caution, just because this can really be abused. But for those of us, we don't want to abuse it. We want to understand how to hear the voice of God, and we're going to take that voice of God and want to hear it. Like, we don't want to go to either extreme, that because it's abused, that we don't hear the voice of God. How can we practically hear the voice of God? I'm going to start off by telling you that I will give you some tips and what I'm asking you to do, but I will tell you right off the bat, the Holy Spirit speaks differently to different people. In the, in, in the Bible, sometimes God spoke through thunder and lightning. Sometimes God spoke through still, small voice. 
Sometimes God spoke through visions. Sometimes God spoke through prophets. So God speaks in various ways. And what's going to tell us, this is important, what's going to tell us whether it's God's voice or not is not how it comes as much as what it says. So when the voice of God contradicts everything else in the scripture and everything else in the church, then we know that that's probably not the voice of God. So it's not so much how it comes, the voice, as much as what the voice says that will tell us whether it's from God or not from God. Okay? Four steps, okay, that I'm asking everyone to do this week to help practicing, learning, I'm sorry, listening to the voice of God, discerning that voice. Like a mother with a child, spending that time learning this cry means this. Four things, and we'll go with the acronym, because we like acronyms, that when you want to listen to God's voice, you take a seat. First, S, set aside the time. Set aside the time. First thing is you pull out your calendar and you make an appointment with God this week. And I'm not asking for a lot. I'm saying 10 to 15 minutes twice this week. Like originally I was going to say 30 minutes once, but I honestly think with learn, we wanted fewer, longer. With listen, we want more frequent, shorter. Okay? If God cannot get in your calendar, you got no shot of him getting in your heart. If God cannot get in your calendar, you got no shot of him getting in your heart. You need to set aside the time, make an appointment. Now, for the one who says, I talk to God all day long, because that's the, the cry of Christians all over the place. You say, make time for, I talk to God all day. Hey, that's fantastic. We talked about a relationship. We talked about getting to know one another. Can a boy date a girl and say, you know what? Let's just text all day long. This is how we are going to determine whether to spend the rest of our eternity together. By texting all day long. Is texting one another good? That's great. It's great to show you're thinking about each other throughout the day. That's a great thing. But can you build depth in texting? Like the texting doesn't replace the face-to-face. The texting is on top of the face-to-face. That we have depth, and then we text and say, you know, face, you know, smiley face or whatever. But that's on top of. That's not in place of. No relationship can be built in, in, in 30 second intervals. Relationships that take depth. Like, can a plant be built? Can I say, put the plant in and pull it up? Can't happen quick. Can a relationship happen quick? It can't happen quick. So why my relationship with God? Why my relationship with God has to happen in commercial breaks? Why my relationship with God? Okay, I'm gonna hear God's voice. I'm gonna wake up at 6.01. I need to leave the house at 6.05. God, you got four minutes, go. Like, why? We need to set an appointment with God. King David did. King David made a daily appointment with God. Psalm 63, 1, he says, God, you are my God. Early, I will seek you. Look, he says, early. He set aside a time that I will seek you at a time. All of us say, we will seek him. And I say to you, when? Give me a time. Who, if I said, show of hands, who wants God this week? Who wants God in their life? Everyone raise their hands. So I say to you, When do you plan to receive him? When do you plan to have that time with him? Give me a time. I'm not asking for a lot. 10 to 15 minutes, two times this week. Can we do this? Can we set aside a time? Yes, we can. 20 to 30 minutes in two sets of time. Number two, set a time and then eliminate distractions. Eliminate distractions. I mean this at two levels. Eliminate distractions. Eliminate physical distractions, 
and eliminate mental distractions. Because what's the point of spending an hour with God if the whole time I'm thinking about work or the whole time I'm thinking about responding to that text message? No value. When me and Marianne first started dating, Marianne learned something quickly about me, which is that as much as I love her and I desire to be her best friend for life and nothing is more important to me than that, when we go out to eat, she's there. There's that TV over there. And as much as I love her, and I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like, I love her, but I just, it, it, it's like you can't turn away. It's like a train wreck. You just can't turn away. So she learned very quickly that when we get to the restaurant, she finds a TV, and she positions me in such a way that I cannot see it. And she knows which restaurants have TV on both sides that we'll never go to. Because she knows it's, it, it's a, I can't. And I'm telling you the same way when it comes to your spending time with God. Don't spend time with God in a room with anything that buzzes. Don't spend time with God in a room that beeps, that has anything with notifications. And you say, well, I read my Bible from my iPad. You can turn off, I'm telling you, one of the greatest things, you turn off notifications on this thing. It's a great, I don't know why people don't use this feature. Notifications off. I push the little moon button, turn the whole thing off. That's what you do. Or even better, even better, don't keep it in the same room. I always say that the most important time of my day, the most important time of my day is the first two minutes when I go from my bed to my bathroom and I have to pass my phone. And I have to get to the bathroom, take care of business, and get out of the room into my quiet time room. And if I can win in this first two minutes of my day, believe me, the whole day is different. If I can just get past that evil evil phone because I'm telling you that the second I check it, that's it. Why? Because first of all, if it's in the room, that's a disaster. That's a physical distraction, but it becomes a mental distraction. I wonder if so-and-so responded. No, I'm not gonna check it. But then the whole time I'm thinking, I wonder if they responded or I read a text message or an email. Be like, oh, yeah, I got to take care of that. And I'm here, but I'm there. And I'm thinking, once the mind starts going and racing and starts reacting to whatever's on the phone, for me, the whole day is lost. There's even something psychological about it. They say, once you, you could take this for your work, once you get to work and you start by checking your email or your voicemail and there's something there, you feel behind, don't you? There's a sense of, I'm behind. Oh no, I gotta respond to this. And there's that feeling of, I'm behind, and you're already behind in your day, and you spend the rest of the day trying to catch up to nothing. So eliminate distractions. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. But you, when you pray, go into your room. When you have shut your door, pray to your Father who's in the secret place. What does shut your door mean? It means shut your physical door, remove the distractions, shut your mental door, and remove the distractions. So first thing we're doing, we're setting aside a time. We're pulling out our calendars. We're saying this week, this 15 minutes or 20 minutes or however long, I'm going to spend this time. And then I'm going to do it again on this day. Second thing, I'm preparing in advance. If I want to do my quiet time at 6 o'clock on Monday morning, then on Sunday night, i got to clear that room, get everything ready so that nothing is in that room that will distract me. Third thing, ask God to speak. Ask God to speak. And this little boy is giving us some good advice right here because this is the downfall 
for so many people listening to the Spirit. This is the downfall. So many times we set aside a time, we remove the distractions, and then we talk. And we talk. And we pray. And we whine. And we complain. And we ask. And we nag, 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 nag for 14 minutes and say, God, your turn to speak. You got one minute. Ask God to speak should be 30 seconds. 30 seconds. And it's a simple prayer. Whatever words you choose, say, God, please speak to me during this time. That's it. And then, stop it. I'm not saying it's bad to pray, but it's not the right time to pray. I'm not saying it's bad to ask help. Those are great things, but now is not the time. My wife and I, we need to talk about who's going to pick up the kids from soccer. But we're on our date. We need to talk about There's a time for that and a time just to talk to one another and listen to one another. There's a time and a place for everything. And during this time that I'm asking you, 10 to 15 minutes is not the time to give God your prayer request. That can come later or that can be before. That can be whenever. But I'm talking set aside a time, 10 to 15 minutes, when you just listen to God. Psalm 46, verse 10, be still and know that I am God. Imagine this. Imagine today you go have lunch with the wisest person in the world. Think of like the, the Dos Equis guy. Okay, like that guy. Okay. The wisest person in the world. And you're going to be with him for 30 minutes. What are you going to do for those 30 minutes? I'll be honest, you know what most of us would end up doing? Because we are not very smart. We'd end up talking the whole time and telling him our life story. And I, I'm not saying I'm the wisest person in the world, but I am astounded at times the great lengths people will go to to have a meeting with me. And I will say, we have a 30-minute meeting. And I am astounded. People will leave work. People will drive. I've had people come from across the country to meet with me and spend the whole time talking. And I want to say, what was the benefit of that? Someone one time drove four hours come meet with me for one hour and literally spoke for 55 minutes and only stopped because I said, I got to go in five minutes. I'm serious. This is my polite way and God's polite way of saying, ask me to speak and then let me speak. I'm not saying you don't speak. There's a time for you to speak. But what I'm saying is, you have not the Dos Equis guy, not the Father Anthony guy, not the wisest person. You have the source of all truth. Why are you talking? Why are you talking trying to convince him that you know what you're doing? Why are you talking? This is a time to listen and hear God's voice. You know why this, this listening thing is so important? You cannot be a questionable person and do all the things that we talked about the past three weeks without having time to listen. Because we said, you need to bless three people. Which three people? Who does God want me to bless? We said, you need to learn Christ. Well, what is he trying to teach me? We said, we need to eat. Well, who do I eat with? Who does God, like, if we are going to truly be Christ-like people, we need to know where to direct that Christ-likeness towards. And we need to have time where we listen to God's voice. Said another way, the will of God, God's will for all of our lives, we've discussed this before, 90% of God's will is the same. 90% of God's will is the same. 90% of God's will, you open up the scriptures, it says to love one another, it says to serve one another, it says to encourage one another, it says to honor your parents, it says to keep holy the Sabbath. That's 90% of God's will for your life is written right there. 
But then there's the 10% customized part. That's different for each one of us. And I'm telling you, it's that 10% that is the sweet spot. The steak is all the steak. But it's how yours is seasoned versus how mine is seasoned. And how much seasoning do you put on a steak? Eh. Right? Anyone ever been frustrated about when you asked your mom a recipe and she said, put a little bit of salt? And you're like, how much is a little bit? Like, how many little granules? Like, one, two. Just, uh, just enough. The seasoning, there's no rule for the seasoning is what I'm trying to say. The whole point of the seasoning of life is it's very customized from me to you. And what makes your life taste different than my life, you got a little bit more. You got a little bit more blessing, I got a little bit more eating. You got a little bit more learning, I got a little bit more. Like, we all got a little bit of more. And how are you going to know that unless you make sitting with God in silence and listening to his voice a priority in your life? Okay? If you're a results-oriented person, this will be your hardest step. If you're type A, you're great on step one. You've already, if you're type A, you've already got the appointments in your calendar. You've already booked it. And you've already decided everything is getting thrown out of your room so you can eliminate all distractions. You're perfect on step one and two. You're going to struggle in step three, which is to ask and shut it. But stick with it. Don't give up. Number four, take action. Take action. When I say take action, this is the key long-term to continuing to hear God's voice in your life, is you must act based on what he told you. Now again, back to my warning right here. You are not going to go in your quiet time tomorrow. You're not going to go listen to God. And you're going to come out and say, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to break up with whoever. I'm going to go marry whoever. Like, you're not going to come out and do crazy things. That's not the voice of God, okay? I'm talking about the voice of God, the 10% specific, never contradicts the 90% general. So the 10% specific can never go against the big picture and the 90%. So it can never be, I'm going to disown my parents when the 90% says, honor your parents. It can never be, make a quick decision when the 90% says, be, be, make slow, make wise decisions and do it prayerfully and ask for discernment. It can never, the 10%, contradict the 90. The 10% will tell you, pray for so-and-so today. That's what I mean by take action. Not quit your job. We're supposed to pray for everyone, but maybe the Holy Spirit will say, pray for this one. You ever had that? That's just someone is on your heart just like, pray for this person. Maybe the Holy Spirit will tell you, call this person. Just ask them what's going on. Maybe the Holy Spirit will tell you, go and apologize to that person. Because what you did to them a year ago was wrong. That's the action, not the crazy. The crazy, give it time. The Holy Spirit is telling us, always in line with the 90%. John chapter 10, verse 3, the good shepherd passage where Jesus spoke about himself as the shepherd, says this, to him, meaning to the sheep, to him, the shepherd, the doorkeeper, what, to him? Oh, to him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice, meaning him is the shepherd, okay? To him, the doorkeeper, when the shepherd comes, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Twice he said, know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Here's what I want you to write this down, and I want you to internalize what I'm about to say. Okay? God will never stop. Actually, I think it's written down for you. You can write it down. God will never stop speaking 
as long as I never stop listening. God will never stop speaking as long as I never stop listening. The key for us to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit is when the Holy Spirit told me, go and bless this family, that I took action. And then after that, the Holy Spirit told me, go and have a meal with that person right there. And then I took action. And the Holy Spirit will say, stay away from people for this week and spend time learning this week. Okay? And then I take action. And the Holy Spirit will say, and the Holy Spirit keeps on speaking as long as I keep on listening. Just like a father with his children. My children come to me for advice, I give them advice. My children ignore my advice and ignore, 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 and then come and say, help me with this. I'm happy to help you, but when you ignored this and you ignored that and you ignored that, I'm not going to volunteer to advise someone who I know is ignoring me. I promise you. I promise you. Okay, setting, setting a, a time, that's very important. Eliminating distractions, absolutely. Asking God, shutting up, very, very good. But the number one most important factor in your ability to hear God's voice is your desire to hear it. Your desire to hear it and your desire to obey it. And the one who comes to God does every step right, but in his heart or her heart is not really willing. Like I'm stuck on my, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And I'm like asking God for your opinion, God. But in the end, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. That one will never hear God's voice because God doesn't give us the 10 suggestions. God never gave suggestions. God gives commandments. And the one who says, I'm determined to do what I'm going to do, then you're going to struggle to hear God's voice. You're always going to be confused. The one who comes to God and signs the check and say, here you go, God. You fill in the amount. You fill in the date. You fill in everything that you, I sign a blank check and I give it to you, God. Whatever you say, I will obey. That's the one who will never, ever stop hearing the voice of God in his or her life. We said in the beginning of this series that we are defining ourselves not as citizens, but as soldiers for Christ. Remember we said that? We are soldiers for Christ. And soldiers are held to a different standard. Civilians don't do the same things as soldiers because civilians aren't on the front lines. Well, I'm a soldier for Christ and you're a soldier for Christ. When does a soldier decide to obey his commanding officer? After he has been told the command, a soldier obeys before the command was given. A soldier says, as a soldier, whatever the guy with the more stripes on his, soldier, on his shoulder says, I will obey. And as a famous man once said, is that we don't disobey orders. If we disobey orders, people die. Who said that? Jack Nicholson in what movie? Few Good Men. That's right. Are we clear? Now, that scene, the courtroom scene. When Tom Cruise is saying, maybe he, didn't maybe he didn't obey. He said, no, son. We obey orders, and we obey orders or people die. We in the Christian world are the same way. We obey orders. We don't, we no suggestions. We obey orders. God doesn't give us like, hey, maybe you should think about. God doesn't give us say, hey, you know, play around with this and let me know what you think. Give me, give me your feedback on it next week. God gives commands. God gives orders. And the one who wants to hear God's voice must be prepared to listen before he even hears. Or obey before he even hears. Two verses I'll leave you with, both saying the same thing, and then I'm done. John 14, 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. How great a promise is that? That you have within you someone who will teach you all things. And I'll give you an even better promise that you should memorize this. 1 John 2, 27. This is a great promise. But the anointing which you have received is also talking about the Holy Spirit. The anointing you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you. You do not need that anyone teach you. I'm not saying we don't get advice from each other, but I'm saying you do not need. You have within you the same one who is advising me to advise you or telling me to advise you. 
you have within you. You do not need anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. My question for you, and you need to answer this in your heart, do you believe in this verse or you don't believe in it? Do you believe in this verse or you don't believe in it? Do you believe with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength that you have within you the spirit of the living God, the same spirit that was in Jesus Christ, that same spirit has been given to you and you have within you, maybe you don't know how to tap into him yet, but you have within you all truth. You don't need anyone to teach you. If the answer is yes, then this is what we're going to do this week. I will listen to God's voice twice this week, 10 to 15 minutes each. And the result of that, just imagine with me. Imagine with me a life in a far, far, far away land. A life where we make decisions confidently. Where we go into whatever it may be. We're dating and we go into and say, you know what? I don't know. I'm not saying it's going to be perfect. And I know there's probably going to be problems. But I'm 100% convinced God wants me to marry this person. And I don't have a shadow of a doubt about it. And even if we go through troubles, I know God has confirmed it to me. I'm going to marry this person and we're going to get through this. Imagine if I can say with confidence, when I'm deciding, should I take this job or this job? Should I go here or go there? Should I do this or should I not do this? Imagine I can navigate through the confusion of this world. And I don't have with me, I don't have with me a map. I don't have with me a manual. I have with me a guide. A map is good. A guide is better. An article on the internet about how to get in shape is good. A personal trainer is better. And God has not given to us simply a manual or an article. God has given to us a personal trainer. And I'm telling you, this week, you make two appointments to see your personal trainer. And you ask for help, and you shut it. And you do whatever it is that he tells you to do. And you trust that if you do that and you continue that habit, that you will get to the end of this year, and you will be in much better shape than when you started because the personal trainer knows what he's doing, and he's going to get us there. Let's stand up together for a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we thank you for the gift of your Spirit that you have given to us. It's only by your Spirit that we know you and that we relate to you and we can speak to you now. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you would allow us this week to get rid of the distractions, to set aside some time, and to hear your sweet voice. Whatever your voice says, if it's rebuking us, or it's encouraging us, or it's comforting us, whatever your voice says, Lord, we want to hear your voice and we need to hear your voice because we can't make it in this world without you. Thank you that you don't leave us alone and you never leave us orphans, but you sent us your spirit to lead us, and to guide us, and to help us navigate through this world. Pray that you would accept our prayers in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, with the prayers of all of your saints. Hear us, Lord, as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.